episode 76. Hey, Gambit, it's Yuck in Space. Ever read the Bible? The Bible? The Bible. Have you ever read it? I've never written it. Hmm. I've read it a little bit. Do you about do you know about the ark and that one dude? Um, I remember this movie with <laughs> Emma Watson and Russell. No, not Russell Crowe. The other one. I, you know, I saw that in theaters. Actually, what is wrong with you? I don't remember why I went to see it. It was so bad. Anyway, this is nothing like that. No, it's actually nothing like that. Um, it quite literally, it's nothing like that. It's more a set piece, but Ark in space. Mm-hmm. Um, a story that uh is very of its time and very influential and very very much um the beginning of the fourth Doctor's era. Truly, mm-hmm. um, how does it begin, dear? On an arc, mostly. Um, ah! I mean, where else do you think it would start? Honestly. Here's here's the thing though. Um, the the ark. You know, normally you think of an ark, you think of like a boat, like forty days, forty nights, water. This one's in space. Spachi. Yeah, so there's no water. Gaspacho. Yeah, it's floating in gaspacho. Anyway, Mm, there's there's a satellite and it's got some people in cellophane in it, like Barbie dolls at the fucking Hasbro factory. And then the doctor and the new companions are landing and they're like, what the fuck is going on? What is happening? Harry apparently fucked with the TARDIS, which is why they landed here, because he's a piece of shit. Uh, Using a yo-yo, they learn that they're in a satellite while Sarah has a panic attack. Harry instantly comes over and pushes some buttons while they ignore Sarah finding a new room and then getting locked in it. Harry is also freaking out and having trouble breathing. Everyone's having trouble breathing. Where did Sarah go? Let's open the door using the fucking switch Harry touched. Going to get Sarah, uh, the door shuts behind them, so she's dead. Nothing seems to be working in here at all. The doctor goes to fix it, finds that the wires were cut, fixes the oxygen, feels better, and he's like, something happened here a long time ago, and everything is weird and shit. And then heading back to the main room, the defense systems attack Harry's shoe, and then Sarah passes out again and weirdly disappears. And... Uh, then she's in a area that's like drugging her and giving her like vibrations. And she's like, get ready to be preserved. And then the doctor realizes the weapon is only attacking organic things. So they unbolt the table. Sarah is still on drugs and is being told that she's basically about to die kind of, and then starts to have an anxiety attack. And then she's like, Oh, it's okay. And then the doctor wiggled the desk over to the switch and then they're, oh my fucking god, I forgot about the goddamn cricket ball. <laughs> yeah, w- explain what happened with the cricket ball, dear. What happened in the commentary, or what happened with the cricket ball? All of it. <sighs> okay, so the they're trying to figure out how to get the switch, right? And Harry makes the weird comment of, well, if you had a cricket ball, I could, you know, hit that, bet you anything. And he's like, like Mm -hmm. this one? And at that same time, I was literally saying, like, like this one? And (laughs) no, I think it was, here's a cricket ball. Like, just 
me saying that like the doctor just hands him one instead of asking him about it and that he did it. I was pissed that I fucking called it because I'm getting better at that and it annoys me that I am <laughs> quite a bit. Yes, 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 quite so. This is like the third time it's happened in like a week. So <clears throat> it it was it was pretty amazing. So instead they decide to distract the laser because it only has one barrel and they succeed and hit the button. It's gone. Sarah's currently being fucking murdered and the doctor's like, oh, this chair's a teleportation thing. And then the ship yells at the doctor and Harry for a bit. And then we see some lettuce moving around and it's apparently some weird gastropod. So let's keep looking. But weird, Sarah is gone. So let's keep looking. And the doctor goes, listen, everything ever, ever is here and Harry's like what? And he's like listen, there's also microfilm of everything ever in history ever here. And you're like, oh, it's an arc. It's all contained in cum. Yeah. Okay. Can we stop with the fucking cum jokes? And <laughs> and then they open the door and find all the people in plastic, whatever the cryogenic chamber. And Harry just kind of straight up opens one with no fucking regard to the person inside, like if it had killed them. If he opened it or something. And then he's like, this guy's dead. And the doctor's like, no. And he's like, they've been in here forever. He's fucking dead. The doctor's like, no. And then it's weird. There's this weird goo on the ground like earlier. And then Harry, F Harry has found Sarah in the plastic and she's dead, I guess. And they're like, okay, well, we should revive her. Go look for a blankety blank. And he's like, okay, what's it look like? <laughs> And then he's like, it's an oxygen cylinder thing. And Harry goes to open a locker and they find a giant bug. And that's the episode. It's a big old booty bug. Big old, big old, big old booty, 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 rocking everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, there's a good chance I'm going to rate these lower just because of Harry. Uh, That's fair, but I would... I, I would say keep into account the amount of, like, there are times where, of course, he goes unchecked, but there is a lot of the time when he says normal things that Harry says and characters outright degrade him and call him out for it. Well, yes, but it's like, not all I the still time. don't like There are times it. where they just straight up ignore him. Um, the good news is Harry isn't around for long. Um... Thankfully, I don't really like Harry that much. I think he's fine, but uh, well, this is a bit of a fun fact left over from the last episode. But um, uh, Harry only became a companion because they were kind of worried. They didn't. They hadn't um, uh, cast the new Doctor yet. They hadn't cast Tom Baker, so they were they were assuming possibly that they were going for someone older again. Um, and so they were like, well, we'll need someone who's like the muscle in case the doctor can't, you know, in case we have another situation like John Pertwee where, uh, uh, you know, he, um, back hurt, he can't do much physical fighting sort of thing. So they're like, mm -hmm. we'll have a companion that can do that instead. Um, but they didn't really need it. So Harry kind of becomes redundant because Tom Baker can fight. He's completely fine. Although we'll talk about that in the next story. Um, about a horrible, horrible accident and about a, a a parallel universe that's probably going on right now where Tom Baker's dead uh, and died in the 70s. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> so, the Ark in Space. 
This originally was a completely different story uh, called, uh, given by a man named, um, oh god, what was his name? Uh, John Lucarotti, who was a writer from the Hartnell era. Um, and you can tell that because he had individual episode names still for, for them, uh, which, you know, they hadn't been doing for nearly a decade at that point. So it was like, uh, we haven't done that in a very long time, buddy. Um, but he, he called them, I believe, something along the lines of, like, puffball, golf ball, etc., and it was quite different. Instead of instead of bugs, uh, and sort of the life cycle of bugs being important to the story, it was a fungus. And the way the Doctor saved the day was with a golf club. Um, it was uh, a very different story. Uh, you don't say. Lord knows. Lord knows. Um, <laughs> that's for certain. Uh, there was also another script. That- the scripts for this season, they wanted them to be a little bit more serial in nature. Uh, one, for one reason, um, to save budget, because if they were a little bit more serial, then, you know, some stories could be similar, or use the same elements, and they would uh, save on, like, money with things like props and such. Um, but also they wanted to reinvigorate the series and have it, have it a bit more of a different feel. So that's why this story leads in directly from the previous story, and why the next story leads in directly from this story, and so on until the end of the season. And it continues a little bit from here and there, but it's mainly just this entire season that's like this. Um, but that is, that, that's all we'll, we'll talk about for now, because I don't want to spoil too much. Um... Uh-huh. What happens in the second part, dear? What was in what, what? 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 Has the bug killed Harry? Are we done with Harry? Yeah, he's gone. It's great. Huzzah! Can't wait. Um, actually, it's dead and just kind of fell over and like mummified. It's really old. They find a medical kit and notice that there's a woman waking up, and Harry is like, "I can help," and the doctor's like, "Fuck you off." And then she's all surprised as to why there's people here and it makes her angry. And they're like, help us with Sarah. And she's like, okay, is she valuable? I guess. Let's give her this thing and it'll, she'll either die or not. There's no in between. So if you look over here, this is our leader. His name is Rim Lazar. And where the fuck are you if you remember nothing about anything? Solar flares killed the Earth. Everyone overslept a long time on the Ark. And it shouldn't have failed. Apparently, also look at this bug lady. Uh, you're gonna, your name's gonna be Karen. But cut back to the lady. cabbage larva, the 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 Karen lady crawling around. It also has hands apparently. But then Ram Lazar's gl- glowing red, and there's a fault somewhere in the power supply. They fix it. And the doctor calls from the control room, and he's like, "I'm gonna go look at something." Commander's like, "What the fuck? How are they here? They threaten our gene pool." And then Sarah's like, it's going to be okay. But then telling the commander where the doctor went, he gets angry and leaves. So time to go look at the weird goo around the solar or something or other. And Karen is like, he's going to fucking kill you. Just leave. And then there's this weird goo in the solar cells. So the doctor turns a hatch and gets kind of scared and leaves. Then we see Karen behind Sarah and Harry while they're talking. 
and opening a plastic <gasps> thing and someone named Dune is missing. Then the leader threatens to kill oh, no. the doctor because the, the, he... the book of Dune is missing. Yeah. Oh, but no. It was a breakout success. Oh, OK. Well, sequel. But um, um anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, I thought it was a good pun. Anyway, leader threatens to kill the doctor and assumes that they want Earth and they don't believe him when they say no. So they shoot the doctor while the thing breaks out of the soul or whatever. And leaders like he killed the doctor. And let's talk about this app, empty plasticky box. Meanwhile, leader goes down to the soul or whatever, sees a hole in it uh, before. But then like the goo lettuce touches him and he's like, ah, and it also knocks him out. Apparently, while Sarah and Harry find the doctor paralyzed and he's OK, uh, down to the soul or whatever we go. Where Rem Lazard Noah is waking up. By the way, his name's actually Noah. Or they call him Noah. It's... <sighs> anyway. Well, the... okay. His name is Lazar, but they called him Noah as, like, a, a, a joke. Because it was, like... I know, but, it, like... It's a name from mythology, so we call him Noah as a joke. Yes. Like, his name, like, his name isn't actually, like, born... Noah, and it's like, yeah, oh, well, your his, name's Noah. That means you're his, the leader of this. Yeah, arc. his name like, is no. Rem Lazar. His name is Lazar, which is Rem no, Lazar. It's, yeah, it's Rem um, Lazar. Yes. No context. Anyway, the leader captures them and mentions that the thing got out. And then when one of the other dudes wakes up, he freaks out at Noah, thinking something else was apparently standing there. And they're like, what? The nude guy is told to kill the crew if they fuck with anything. While the leader stops, leaves to stop the reviv the revivification, reviving of people. Noah is freaking out, thinks he's doomed for a moment, so he's batshit. So everyone's like, all right, let's stop the commander, even though it's really hard to do that. And then the doctor finds that the empty cell of plastic, whatever, has like bubble wrap membrane in it and they're like huh and he's like hey do you remember those wasps that birth bugs inside of other things and when they hatch they use it for food and he's like yeah what about it it's like well that's kind of what's going on uh time for what's his face to stop the commander even though it's very intimidating to do so and he just kind of gives them his gun without a fight and then he gets fucking murdered uh, and then we see that Rim Lazar's hand is now covered in green bubble wrap, and then yeah, that that's it. And then everyone was dead. Yeah. And he overacts somewhat, and it's amazing. Yeah, he overacts so, through all of this. It's great. Um. So in this, like I said, this initially was kind of someone else's script. It was technically also two people's scripts because uh they uh tried to two people were trying to write a similar story about uh space station essentially uh the first one uh was they deemed unfilmable uh it was just not not feasible for them to even try and attempt to film it i assumed budgetary reasons because that tends to be it for most of the time and the other one was the one uh john lucarotti uh uh, he nearly finished his, but because he lived on a boat anchored in the Mediterranean and there was a postal strike affecting where he was living in his boat at the time, uh, he was 
are basically unable to have frequent conversation and uh, communication with the script editor, Robert Holmes. So Holmes was unable to conduct a timely consultation with him to get the story done. So they went, okay, well, we'll just have to take your baseline concept and write a different story about it. He still got paid for his full time for the full work, thankfully, but uh, they just couldn't use his story. So they went with a different one. They went with a story that is more of its time than people tend to give it credit for. Um, for instance, uh, are you familiar with the film Alien, dear? Yes. Well, this came out before it, and it has a baseline striking similarity to it of um, the kind of say... the kind of horror, the kind of horror that's inside it. Not just the fact that there is an alien on a ship and it's killing them all. Um, I'll talk more about where this specifically comes from because this book does a frankly beautiful job of explaining uh, quite what it was like at the time and where. Why store why a lot of stories in the seventies were written like this, um, but that being said, initially Robert Holmes's script for this had Vira as a uh, sort of Haitian woman, a uh, because he wanted to try and emphasize the sort of the sort of reanimation zombie aspect of uh, the the way that we're in control humanity and the way they sort of consume and then like drag their bodies on that sort of thing um which you know would have been an interesting addition i don't know if they would have pulled it off well but it's a shame that the director vetoed it and said nope uh i i know I, I don't i can't find any information on why he said nope i don't know if it's just because nope we want a white woman, or nope, I just don't agree with that idea, but you know, that's what happened. Um, but there was also an edit upcoming in episode three that was uh, taken out completely because a nearly transformed Noah begs Vira to kill him. Uh, in rehearsal, it was keeping with the mood of the story, but when Philip Hinchcliffe and the BBC drama uh, head uh, saw it in the edit suite, it was deemed too strong for family viewing and was clumsily cut out. You don't um, say. Yeah, it was a bit too strong, which, speaking of which, this episode kind of left a, a bit of impression in people as well of um, uh, the bugs, per se, of um, the horror of being eaten like that and transforming and metamorphing. Um, but the main thing that people get scared about with this era of Doctor Who is actually the intro. Um, <laughs> Verity Lambert, Verity Lambert, back in the beginning was completely right because remember, in the first intro, they were wanting to put William Hartnell's face on the screen, but yeah. Verity Lambert was like, "No, don't do that. It looks terrifying. It will scare kids." Um, so they didn't do it to the second Doctor. It scared some kids, but it was like, "Okay, it's okay. Like, it's not." That, like, whatever, we're not getting that many letters. Um, a lot of people who have a vague impression of Doctor Who, but don't really watch that much of it or haven't watched it since they were kids, a lot of them will basically say, like, they would be behind the couch when the intro was going because the scary man fading in 
terrified them. Which, you know, fair. It does. It, I can I can see how that would look pretty terrifying to a child. I mean, of, this like, doctor's this man just also sort of kind phasing of in. bug-eyed and a little bit ridiculous looking in the sense of like he is a very little bit very eccentric yeah very yeah. eccentric which is part of the reason why his performance is so great because it is very energetic very very much like even if a, a scene has such low energy in it and you're kind of falling asleep the second he starts talking and quipping it's like oh okay there's some life in this <laughs> um but uh, yes, uh, to, to, before we get into the next story, I just want to note as well, um, this is the first story by the new producer, Philip Hinchcliffe, and his his sort of philosophy behind stories was that he wanted a more darker and ostensibly gothic style of storytelling. Um, he wanted sort of... A little bit less like okay, it's light, light fun, light entertainment. Like he wanted to, he wanted to emphasize the fact of like kids like being scared, and you can tell a really good story by scaring people and such. Like that, that, that sort of element of um, uh, horror and fear can be good storytelling tools. Um, he accomplishes it in. I, I think it's a, a great move for the series because it distances himself from the previous previous showrunner and also uh brings fresh life into it and also the second episode had i believe 13.6 million people watching when it came out which uh broke the record for the most viewed episode uh previously it was episode uh three i think of the webbed planet if you remember that episode remember that one do you mm -hmm. with the ants and the yeah. moths that was previously the most viewed episode before this one. So this is this is why a lot of people state that this is the golden age of Doctor Who. Um, because this is when a lot of people were watching. And this is what a lot of people grew up with from this point onwards that we have nowadays. Uh, a lot of people grew up with this. Personally, I'm of the view that quote-unquote golden age doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a golden age. There are just different eras of different creative teams behind it which, you know, still persists to this day. But um, it's a fascinating, very good era of Doctor Who to begin with. But uh, what happens in the next part, dear? How are them bugs doing? Uh, well, don't worry about it, because the minister's talking to everyone on the ship, then basically just going, fix, oh, thank God. fix the Earth, while the leader tries to beat his own hand off and Karen stares into space. Noah calls Karen, like, please, this is an order, no safety checks, revive everyone, shit. And Karen's like, oh, fuck. And then she's in command now. Uh, one second, let me talk through him, says the bugs. And they talk through Rim Lazar and they're like, Earth is ours. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he gets all fucky with the bubble wrap. And then they also talk to each other inside of each other, apparently. So the doctor's like, oh, let's kinky. go talk to Noah. Uh, Harry, you revive everyone while we go find him and don't fuck it up. Side note, there's another one over here trying to wake up, by the way. And Noah and Harry's like, yeah, whatever. Noah is found, covered in shit, stops them from touching him, throws them their gun, and he's like, stay away. So he's still trying to be great. 
with the new people alive, they're like, oh God, we should have just stayed on Earth to die. What the fuck? Look at this goddamn bug. Oh my God. And the doctor's like, let's cut it open to find a weakness. And Karen really wants to expedite the reviving. But he's like, dude, if you do that, everybody on the Ark's going to get bugged. Like, don't do it. And then the bugs apparently make oxygen like plants inside themselves. So there's that so they can survive for a long ass time. <sighs> so the doctor's side eye t takes the eye thing from one of the bugs, attaches it to a circuit while some bubble wrap clogs some nearby vents. And he's like, you can get images from it. And he's like, uh-huh. And he's like, actually, I'm going to link up my brain to make it work. Here, have this gun. Shoot me if something happens. But we get the doctor hooked up and we see okay. something in the other room making noise. So, like, some people leave, some people don't. Bubble wrap is coming in for one of the techs. Oh, fuck. So they close the door and go to look for some guns. We look down and through the doctor's eyes, through the grub's butthole, watching it cut the wires and stuff and going um, after Doom. Um, dear, mm -hmm. I gotta stop you there. Sup? Grub's butthole? I think you mean his grub hub. Yes. Uh, too bad the main commander dude comes <laughs> up to shoot them and gets shot for a bit, so that's fun. They have a fight, and then he's just gone. The doctor is brought back, quote-unquote, then they almost shoot him, but he's fine. And then Bubble Wrap is still trying to get in the door, but the doctor tries to walk straight towards it, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, aim lower, and they do, and they chase it off. Karen's still staring into fucking space for some reason, and he's like, why are they attacking? Couldn't they just wait to be adults? They'd be unstoppable. And he's like, that's weird. And he's like, well, apparently electricity is enough to kill them, so let's just electrify the whole fucking satellite. So these transport beds are reversible, so here we go. Woo, let's send an easily killable side character first. And then the easily kill killable companion after. But then, sadly, the power is weakened and the oxygen is stopped again, so we can't send any more people. So instead, let's go fix the power. Because <clears throat> Noah won't stop me anymore. He's probably in a cocoon. Also, there's a lot of cocoons. Uh, too bad in the power station there's a big old bug down here and it's Noah. And then, yeah. <gasps> no! Oh! Uh, no? Uh? Uh. No, uh, Noah, Noah. Anyway. Noah, no. Ah, Noah. Uh, ah. No. Anyway. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm basically just going to read this word for word and take bits out here and there that are either editorializing or just not relevant. Um, so where does this story come from? Uh, if you want to understand the Western world in the 70s, then start with the horror. The generation that had grown up in the 50s had seen every threat as having an external cause, and with good reason. Uh, these were the children of the war years, the ones who had been raised in a culture of alien infiltrators and communist Martians. And much has already been said on this subject in the previous topics, the past episodes which we've spoken about. Um... Like, uh, for instance, the Faceless Ones. Uh, we spoke very much about that one in there. Uh, but the generation growing up in the 70s didn't believe in the same kind of enemy. It's tempting and a bit glib to say that without any definite external threat, the West started to turn in on itself. But there was a change in the nature of, quote, popular fear. By the late 70s, more people were afraid of cancer than invasions. 
This is especially obvious in the American movies of that era and not just the horror ones. The affluent middle classes of New York and Los Angeles were becoming obsessed with their own bodies, treating every fat cell as if it were a hostile organism eating them up from the inside. Alien in 1979 is the ultimate expression of this, but it's there even in a film like Marathon Man in which the villain is a Nazi's dentist and the hero only survives because he's an experienced jogger. Um, but our bodies and our societies always reflect each other. 70s horror is about civilization consuming itself, as well as things chewing their way through our stomachs. Rosemary's Baby, The Stepford Wives, and later the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, the perfect example, speaking of which, because it, uh, it replaced the communist aliens of the original with aliens who posed as psychoanalysts and then do heinous things with your flesh. Uh, they gave audiences a fright pick that was more visceral and inward looking. When something had happened, when something bad happens, anyone, no matter how smart or moral, is a piece of meat. Jaws and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre took millions of the box office that year, so by making the victims of a space monster as vulnerable as possible, and then raising the stakes to the entire future of humanity, the arc in space taps that public mood in a very Doctor Who way. Yet it's not purely guts and gore. The theft of identity, always the big evil, whenever it takes the form of brainwashing, which, you know, see movies like The Mentoring Candidate and future Doctor Who episodes, which we'll get to. Uh, or Possession as well, which, you know, like The Exorcist, which... The Exorcist was very much influential on Philip Hinchcliffe. He... It basically set up how to do the concept of possession in when he, in his tenure. Because uh, it's such a, a fascinating topic of horror to delve into. Um, it, it, that's also the sort of gruesome things made as well. Uh, it's interesting that the Doctor Who monsters who tapped into this fear in the 60s, the Cybermen, uh, were turned into tin-plated bogeymen in an upcoming episode. They're kind of not really seen as Cybermen, and basically from here on out, uh, Cybermen, there's no real reason for them to be Cybermen. Like, they kind of lose the point of what they are, which is a existential horror of a potential future of humanity, of conversion, of losing oneself and losing humanity. They kind of just become generic robot enemies, which is a kind of a bummer, but it's still fun to see them. Um, uh, to avoid clouding the issue, yeah. Uh, as has been noted, both the Wirren and the 60s Cybermen can lay claim to being precursors to the greatest Doctor Who monsters in history, uh, the Borg from Star Trek in uh, The Next Generation because the Borg are basically just the Cybermen, but better. Uh, which is, you know, got to feel really upsetting for the Doctor Who showrunners at the time. Uh, well, I mean, they were going through their own problems uh, in the 80s. But yeah, the Borg are very much the ultimate end of that. A, a, an entire race where you cannot reason with them, you can't even fight them, because they are so powerful and their numbers are so many. They will kill you and take your dead bodies and their dead bodies will become another um another member of their army there is nothing you can do they will turn all of your knowledge against you they will strip you of your humanity strip your loved ones of their humanity and turn it against you uh an absolute masterclass in a in a existential horror uh filled uh enemy monster uh 
Another classic example of catchiness is the idea outweighing the question of whether it stood up to examination around the time everything, everyone grabbed hold of uh, a specific you know, paper about cannibalism uh, as proof that memory was mainly chemical uh, and to be found in uh, n- uh, nucleotides, essentially. Um, this sort of concept of like, what is memory? What is the self? What is the brain? Like, what is what? Like, how do you separate the brain? Is the brain all one thing? Are they different segments? Like, what? How are memories stored? That sort of thing. People thinking more inward. Um, uh, this was to biology and phys- physiology uh, what black holes were to physics. Even now, you'll hear it trotted out every now and then, even though it no longer fits what the rest appears to be happening in the brains. And nobody, not even the original paper writer, got worms to do it again ha ha um although the the stories initially robert holmes wanted the story uh the the ending of episode four to be different um but uh philip hinchcliffe was like no 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 no. we need this like it'll be too scary if we end it like this um you need a definite ending in which things are it's very clear uh that things are over and it's the good has won and, and evil has lost um, but yes, it's, in terms of uh, visuals, though, uh, the fly is probably a bigger source of inspiration, um, in, in, with the case of, uh, things like the man turning into insect halfway through, uh, even though, you know, it, it's not due to the matter transmitter itself, uh, uh, the doctor saying that Sarah's body has become a battlefield because, you know, the Vira has injected a, the wake-up serum essentially in her. Um, but the the sort of twist of the fact that the insects are laying eggs in people and absorbing their memory, their technology, and using them as a food stock is uh, a lot from other science fiction at the time. Uh but it's it's what Robert Holmes wanted to include in the story. He wanted them to seem more gross, like have an element of disgust to them, because then they're even more horrifying. Because it's like it's not just oh they kill you and and turn you into one of them. It's like they kill you in one of the most gruesome ways possible, uh, by laying their eggs inside you and then their young hatch and eat you out from the inside. It's horrifying. Uh, and mimics, like the doctor says in this, it mimics a real life uh, insect that that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, speaking of all of that, uh, what happens in the final part, dear? Uh, well, Karen and Sarah come in and shoot the bug, and then they leave before he goes. Like, just leave the ship. You're gonna die. And they're like, no. Uh, and then a long time ago humans apparently killed all the bugs breeding colonies so they're like we're gonna take the ark because fuck you and then back with the others there's only enough energy for the lights now and harry is like fuck it let's just leave kill the human race fuck it uh so then everyone's like let's make the plastic boxes into an electric fence so no one can touch it and then no one listens to sarah when she has a good idea and then they keep fucking talking and not listening and then she's like the transport ship has its own power system and has twice the power of the arc let's use it and they're like oh that's a good idea why didn't you say something and then too bad there's a bug headed to the control room from the other door while Sarah's in the ship uh, crawling through to try to get the power going and then the doctor is playing bait 
while the bugs are looking for a meal and Sarah like needs to be super quiet, but then there's like a bug that sees her and she keeps crawling and she's trying her best and she gets stuck again and again and she's like, help! And then the doctor's like, you're a useless piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? Of course a woman couldn't do it. And she's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And crawls through. <laughs> she, yeah, she's like, I can't I can't move back or forward. And he's like, oh, wow, you're so fucking useless. And she's like, let me fucking at you. I'll see. I'll show you who's fucking useless. <laughs> and then he's like, I was just trying to encourage you. And she's like, fuck off. Yeah. That was not encouragement. That's how trauma's made. Anyway. Uh, they connect it up. There's a bug in a control room that tries to get through. It's electrocuted, but it tells the others about the people in the chamber and the electrocution. So now they're planning some way to get in without getting shocked. Too bad Sarah almost gets pulled into the fucking vent and then it, they electrocute that bug and it runs away. So the bug turns the powers back on and Noah calls into the room and goes, hey, we can control the arc. If you let us have it, you can go. And they're like, <laughs> No. So listen, if you don't surrender, we'll just cut off the oxygen and we're like, well, fuck you. If you're still human, put him into space. Fuck him up. And he's like, I don't remember Earth. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not human anymore. Too bad the bugs are coming up the escape ship tunnel. So they turn on the boosters and burn the bugs and they're like, ah, oh, fuck. And then Karen thinks about Noah for a minute. And then she and then the doctor calls in like, sup. And she's like, sup. And he's like, all right, cool. Call me sometime. And they're like, Okay. And then the bugs have now gotten to the spaceship and are breaking in from the outside. Oh, so everyone gets out. So they're like, okay, release the locks and everybody get in the ark. And they're like, okay. And then the doctor's like, oh, come on, let's pull this last one. And he's like, no, if we do that, we'll be killed by the blast. So the NPC punches the doctor and knocks him out and pulls the switch. So Karen's like, oh, they both died. And then the doctor comes in and he's like, yo, that NPC died, but I'm good. And then maybe Noah was like a part of helping them get off. And they're like, no, that can't be true. And then suddenly we get a call from Noah and he's like, goodbye. And then the shuttle blows up literally like right then. And they're like, mankind's now safe. So Karen needs to start the process to revive, revive everybody again. And the doctor's going to go down to Earth to check out this thing that's fucking up. And he's like, bring me a coat. And they're like, okay. And then all of them have coats. And they're like, well, I didn't invite you. What the fuck? And they're like, well, too bad. And then they're all planning on going down to Earth. And that's it. Yo, Earth? That's where we live. Eh, not at this time. But yeah. Oh. Sarah puts on a trusty yellow raincoat. Mm-hmm. Harry um, puts on his misogyny coat. <laughs> I was going to say the one in this actual thumbnail. Look at it. Isn't it yes, lovely? it is. Oh. Isn't it, del- isn't it just good? Don't you, don't isn't you like it? Isn't it lovely? You may be saying, wait, what the hell is, what the hell is Deer holding though? Uh, don't worry about that. We'll get to it. We'll get to um, it. We'll, we'll get to it. So, The Ark in Space. Yeah. It's an episode. Yeah. It is. That has things happen in it. Yep. I, 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 I do like to note that this is one of those episodes where something is always happening. Like, every scene, something happens. Like, yes, there are obviously scenes of characters talking, but it's not like... Okay, we're going to sit here and discuss what we're going to do for five minutes, and then we're going to spend ten minutes doing it, but within the first one minute of us doing it, it falls apart. It's like, okay, 
uh, something's like the first minute is like you you open the episode and instantly, oh my god, a dude's being attacked by an alien, and then it's like, whoa, okay, we we've cut to we've cut to the the TARDIS team, they've landed. Oh wow, this is a, a new area. Okay, Harry fucked with the console. That's why they're not where they're meant to be. Mm. Oh hey, suddenly I can't breathe. Uh oh. <laughs> Like, yeah. s- oh. stuff happen. Um, but what do you think, do you? Do you know. think? Not always. Like a five, I think. I I had it at a Thinking four. Thinking it's overrated. But I put it to a five. I don't know. I just, I don't... Not really interested in it at all. I don't hate it, but I don't... I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> As the easiest way to put it is, I don't care. Surprised. I'm so surprised. Shock. Horror. Did oh, you, get it hard? Did you really episode, think uh, I was going to rate this episode uh, higher? I mean, no, but I I, <laughs> I don't think you're going to rate any of them high at all, because I don't... It's kind of arbitrary where you'll rank some of these, because a lot of it just depends on how you're feeling on the day, yeah. regardless of how you feel about the episode. Yep. Um... Because that's just Which how ma- I do. Pulls into question whether it is actually a point of rating the episode itself, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, but like- that's the arc in space. Uh, next episode, um, the Sontaran experiment, also known as "Oh God, is Tom Baker dead?" Um, again. <laughs> no, no, we're not. I don't mean the Fourth Doctor. I mean Tom Baker. Oh. Uh, to put it mildly, there was a time when they were filming the episode where they thought they would have to get a new actor. Mm. Um, so look forward to that. And the best part that I know Dia's going to like, it's only two episodes long. <gasps> Wait, really? So that's probably going to be Dia's favorite episode. It probably will be. I doubt it. I, Take I'm your not bets. a fan of it. <laughs> Take your bets. Will I rate it higher or lower? Because it's only two episodes. We'll see. I, I'm i not a fan of it. I don't think you'll you'll rank it higher. And if you do, purely because it's shorter, <laughs> I, I think that, that kind of will actually piss me off. Because it's like, really? Really? No. Really? It does help, but um, it's not going to be the whole fucking rating for it. It never is. Like, it, it's a good portion of it in some cases like the ones that are like ridiculously long when they don't need to be but mm. yeah especially when it's like why is this six episodes this could have been four very easily like no stop please yeah. this could have been so so much better um so that's it the Sontaran experiment uh get ready for that because it's gonna Ooh. be a time. Um, and yeah, anything else you want to say, dear? I need to pee. Dear needs to pee. Does anyone have a bucket? No. Use a bottle. Jesus, it's easier to dispose of. Okay, well, does anyone have that then? If not, uh, leave a comment on this web zone and we'll get back to you. Goodbye. Yep. Bye.